श्री गौरीवैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री गौ नितनंद की जाय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की जाय बहुत प्रेमानंदे हरिओ सो इवनिंग रीडिंग फ्रॉम श्रीमद् भागवतम फर्स्ट कैंटो चैप्टर 2 डिविनिटी एंड डिवाइन सर्विस And we come to text 25 and we're in the beginning of the final section of this chapter. First section of this chapter is a praise on the part of Sutta Goswami of Sukadev Goswami from whom he heard Srimad Bhagavatam. The essence of which he could understand was what he should speak about in response to the questions of the sages posed in the previous chapter. Questions that in fact arose in their hearts largely as a result of his presence on the scene he was succeeded in a sense or he succeeded i should say succeeded his father who was removed from the seat of esteem by balaram because he didn't understand the essence of the scripture and was speaking about it having not recognized Baladev for who he is when he appeared on the scene so as the bhagavatam describes he was replaced with sutta goswami ramaharshan sutta the son of ramaharshan and the implication is as baladev and baladev having putting put him there that he he knew the essence of the scripture and the essence of the scripture is actually contained in srimad bhagavatam it's about bhakti and bhagwan this is the essence of the sacred text they talk about other things obviously they talk about gyan they talk about karma dharma and so on <clears throat> dharma is really how to acquire legally and gyan is about the understanding of the futility of acquiring even in a legal sense so there are two paths then the dharma path of the karma marg for acquisition legal acquisition and then there's renunciation giving up of the acquiring spirit when we factor giving up the acquiring spirit into action then action or karma becomes karma yoga it moves from religious life to experiential spiritual life in a beginning sense that results in the ingress of wisdom gyan into a heart that's been purified people ask and i got a question recently from one of our friends in portland after our discussions that how she likes to sit but when she sits the mind likes to run basically and what to do about that so there is a remedy for that given in the sacred text gita says for example keep busy but not for the fruits of your action purify the heart and the mind can become still so at the same time that these are systematic paths the karma marg for example the gyan marg and in between that the karma yoga marg which kind of brings bridges the gap between karma or the life of acquisition in a sophisticated way which 
in itself is supposed to promote us from unsophisticated acquisition, hmm, which could result in very, um, very um, unbecoming karmic results to take illegally. So karmic action, as it's described in the text, to do your duty, for example, as Gita says in the beginning, is meant to take us from acquiring on our own without much understanding of what we may acquire by that. We may acquire something very undesirable uh, without recognizing, so to speak, the powers that be, independence. It's a dangerous <laughs> affair. So to rein us in the karma marg, and then from karma marg, where there is legal acquisition that seeks to then save us at the same time from acquisition that may result in, well, acquiring something undesirable, ultimately, undesirable reaction to lower birth, for example. Karma Marga, from to take that, then religious life of acquisition, legal acquisition, I guess, again, to spiritual life, we factor in sacrifice, sacrificing the fruits, that's what makes it a yoga or a means of yuking, yuk, 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 yoking, yuk, 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 yuj, to yuk, to yok, to yok. Uh, the Sanskrit uh, uh, root from the other word yoga, to yoke, to, to yoke, to link, to connect. I like to speak of it as, well, it speaks of itself as something positive. Yoga is often thought of as letting go, giving up. Hmm? But the word implies that there's a, there's a getting, there's a connecting, there's an addition. It's a word that means addition. So it's adding something, and as a result of, or to the extent to which we add that something, then letting go is accomplished, really, naturally. Hmm? Probably used to like to say that consciousness is the platform of attachment. It's an odd statement in a way, but I think what he meant by that is that the conscious being has to be attached to to something, tata, hmm? the jiva, tata, tatasta, shakti. Neither here nor there. Hmm? Like the line that demarks the water from the sand. You can't put your finger on it. You're either on the sand or on the water, and your identity is formed thereby. Hmm? So, and in bhakti, of course, we, if we come from karma yoga to, 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 to the, the knowledge that results from that, the mystic wisdom that comes into the clean heart that reveals the nature of consciousness. We go from Gyan, of course, then to uh, to Bhakti, <clears throat> and and with re- and here the idea of attachment comes again. So Bhakti is really the full-fledged uh, transcendental path. It affords us attachment. The creeper. This is the example that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave. Gave the Bhakti creeper. He said, "I'm the gardener. I'm planting the tree." The sea, the tree, the tree, if you look carefully at it, it's a creeper. A creeper means a vine. It creeps. It attaches itself to something else and goes up like those jasmines as you planted on the, on, the, on the deck. So it attaches itself to a sadhu, which is who is ultimately a prominent and most prominent in our life, manifestation of Bhagwan. And through that transparent medium, then we... We attach ourselves, we become attached to Bhagavan. This is asakti, for example, in bhakti, the last stage of sadhana. An identity is formed. Ainandatanuja, hmm? kinkaram, 
Mahabhus is an identity is being formed based on attachment to the object hmm, of love, Krishna. So this what I meant to say here is that this bhakti is really what the scriptures are about. They talk about jnana, they talk about karma, even some talk about yoga, of course, is there. Um, but what they're really talking about, centrally, is bhakti. These are the two tracks, actually taking and renouncing that our material life runs on. Bhakti is about dedication. In dedication, there's some taking and there's some renouncing. What is becoming for bhakti to take, we'll take. We'll take prasad. And it's enjoyable. Up to the neck. Mahaprabhu has set this example with his associates. And rejecting or renouncing, we'll renounce. If it's not becoming the bhakti, if it doesn't beautify our bhakti, then we'll leave it aside. So the tendencies, the two tendencies in which our material life moves, which are turned into systems in the sacred texts for moving along those lines, acquiring in a big way, systematically, legally, without negative repercussions, and going all the way to heaven hmm? until you run out of fuel <laughs> from your actions and this let me come back down again. And then renunciation, that tendency, take it in a, to an, in a systematic way, all the way to mukti. Hmm? Of course, if it's without a little bit of bhakti, you don't quite get there and you come back again. That's another thing. So these two, these are these are tendencies that we that are two tracks. I'd like to say that our material life moves on. The scriptures talk about them for those drawn to those tracks, but ultimately they speak about bhakti. That's why when we come into bhakti, sometimes we gravitate towards the extremes of bhakti for acquiring in a legal way in the context of bhakti, or emphasis on renunciation and so forth. Sometimes we see. That is billed as bhakti, getting things, having followers, and uh, acquisitions. Is thought he's got a lot of bhakti. Must be, or he lives in the forest, only eats tulsi leaves, only codices. He must be a big bhakta. But we find there are great devotees who are enjoying and and renouncing and and so forth as much as their service required. So Sukadev spoke Bhagavatam. Sutta heard from him, and. He understood that. Hmm? He understood that. He had the guidance, the siksha of Sukadev. This is the most important thing. Not siksha, not diksha, but sadhusanga. Hmm? If in the context of sadhusanga, diksha is available, hmm, we take it. If only siksha is available, we take it. Hmm? The whole point is that under good guidance of a real sadhu, that's how we can make progress. We emphasize the diksha, and for good reasons. But one of the reasons we emphasize it is people think, "Oh, I can, I can progress without the need of a living sadhu." We emphasize you can't get that. You can't get diksha without a, without a living sadhu. So therefore, we emphasize diksha. You see, we make this point like that. Really, you just need that association. That's that's the sum and substance. So they'll quote a statement like that, for example, of Prabhupada. Initiation means getting transcendental knowledge. And so just see I got transcendental knowledge from Prabhupada. But it means 
from the book, but it means the emphasis is to have the guidance of a living sadhu. Hmm? If he only gives you siksha and never utters the mantra to you still, and you apply yourself in that, that for that guidance, you become perfect. It's a fact. So, at any rate, Sukadev spoke Bhagavatam. Sutta was there. He heard it. He got the siksha. And this is what he was filled with. So when he came and sat at Naimisharanya, the sages were inquiring about legal acquisition gathered for a thousand-year sacrifice. Suddenly, by his presence, they began to ask questions of another nature. Bodhayantasparasparam. This is what happens. Mutual, mutually enlightening one another, the hearer and the speaker. He brought to, to, to their hearts questions that they hadn't asked otherwise. The answers are the, are the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. So he begins to speak that second chapter. And he begins this second chapter by glorifying Sukadeva Goswami, Yam Prabhujantam, Anupetya Petakrityam, Dvaipaya, Nubhira, Katra, and so on. But, uh, appropriately, his respects to Sukadeva Goswami. Then to Bhagwan and and the deity of the book, and the Bhagavatam he will speak, and so on. And he begins to answer the questions. And he begins to answer the, the first question. What is the prime duty of life? And so he's completed the answer to that uh, here, systematically speaking about bhakti. Hmm? The parodharma, as opposed to ordinary dharma, a supreme dharma, hmm? prema dharma. He distinguishes it from ordinary dharma, which is, again, the, legal, the path of legal acquisition. The Prema Dharma is the path of illegal acquisition. You will illegally acquire Krishna and Gopi Bhava <laughs> in the Braj. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, having now spoken about that, we uh, that the introduction of this chapter again is a, is a glorification of of the uh, of his Guru and Bhagwan, Vyas, and so forth, and then a very nice explanation of the path of bhakti. This is the supreme occupation then for human society. And then how it goes in stages. This is the supreme occupation. How this occupation or this dharma, dharma kind of means occupation, duty, is distinguished from ordinary dharma for acquisition. How the latter ordinary dharma Go is must go towards mukti, hmm? or shama evi kevalam. It's a waste of time. It must go towards not mukti really, but vasudeva Kataluchi, having a taste for vasudev, hmm? for Krishna, for Harikata, must go in that direction. It must take us. It means in the transcendental direction. And then again, some slight emphasis there. There are different transcendental paths. There's gyan. There's yoga comes up in one verse. But bhakti is the supreme transcendental path. And then the different stages of bhakti have been articulated. The seed verses from which our Goswamis and our um, bhakti shastras have articulated these paths, adoshadhatata, sadhusanga, and so forth. From sadhusanga up to prem. Now, moving into the final section, this he's moving in another direction, but a related direction. Uh, he finished that section with what, verse 23, 22? Hmm. Certainly, therefore, hmm. since time immemorial, transcendentalists have been rendering service to Krishna. Hmm. 
with great delight because such bhakti is enlivening to the self, hmm? to Krishna. So, he, now he begins to speak more specifically about what? He's spoken about bhakti. Hmm? Now he's going to speak about the object of bhakti in some detail. Hmm? So, bhakti is, in this way, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, dualistic. There is the bhakta, and there is Bhagwan, who's the object of bhakti, and it's uh, it's monistic also, in that it involves a uniting of Bhagwan and bhakta, and also the fact that the bhakta, who is the personification of bhakti, in a particular flavor like sakirasa. Madhujarasa, Bhatsavirasa. That the, the idea here is not to become Krishna, but is to become love of Krishna. To be love. That is our path. To be love of Krishna. That is what our sarup is. It is a form of love of Krishna. And that love of Krishna, that prem, corresponds with the object. There is no meaning to the object of love without the love. Hmm? And the object can't stand alone without the love. The love can't stand alone without the object. So from, from a dualistic to a kind of a monistic, a monistic, dualistic, we call it what? Achinta Veda Veda Tattva. Very nice idea. Hmm? So having spoken about bhakti in some detail, now about Bhagwan the object. And he started this with the two verses we discussed in our last gathering by digressing from having said, concluding the previous section, transcendentalists take pleasure in, in, in ser- great pleasure in serving Krishna who is full of joy and uh, uh, and they uh, they take great, great pleasure in that. Uh, he concludes with mentioning the name of Krishna, um, the personality of God, Vasudev, and then he started to speak about what? From the personality of Godhead, from Swayam Bhagwan, as, as this is all meant to now bring out, he's going in this direction to speak about Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, which will come up uh, midway in the next chapter. But this is all kind of introducing that because he's speaking about the object and the perfect object of love, as we go up the ladder, so to speak, in transcendence, we find the full manifestation in Sri Krishna. All possibilities for taste, rasaraj. Therefore, he is the, the fountainhead of all the avatars. Hmm? The avatars were asked about also, this being answered here. Hmm? The essence of the scripture, being about Vasudeva, is being answered here. That was also asked about. Hmm? So he starts then with speaking about the what is it um, the gunabhutars. Hmm? He distinguishes Vishnu from Brahma and Shiva, and in doing so distinguishes the mode of goodness from the mode of uh, ignorance and passion. Hmm? Now he wants to emphasize further here in this verse tonight that Vishnu is presides over goodness. Hmm? But he is of another nature. 
he's not of the mode of goodness. This uh, can be associated with with the modes of nature by proximity, by um, implicate by implication, by pres- by by presiding over. Hmm? Brahma's implicated, Shiva's in proximity, hmm? Vishnu's presiding over relationship with the modes. So he doesn't touch them. Hmm? Shiva's close, he kinda touches. Brahma's gets mixed up with the modes. Hmm? Uh, so the emphasis then has been in these two verses previous to tonight's uh, as we move into this last section of the chapter that Vishnu hmm? and Vishnu is above the modes of nature. Hmm? An example is given of, of the modes smoke, wood, wood, smoke, fire. Hmm? Wood is still, smoke moves, fire is further. So ra- tamas, rajas, sattva. But while he wants to emphasize sattva guna as a means, so to speak, uh, as 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 the mode of nature to to be identified with for for practice for that's conducive that gives clarity and so forth the goal the ideal the practice itself and the ideal is transcendental to the modes of nature so we come to uh, tonight's verse and he says what tagre he says, so therefore, hmm, sages previously rendered service to Bhagavan Adhoksaja, hmm, who is Sattvam Vishuddham Jemaya, hmm, who is Sattvam Vishuddham. Hmm, we talk about Sattva. He says he is not Sudha Sattva, but Vishuddha Sattva. Sudha means, Sudha means pure. Sattva means existence. Hmm? Sattva Guna is the existence mode that gives a thing intelligibility. Hmm? And it can be, can be recognized, identified, that it exists. Hmm? Uh, but uh, there's a, this Sattva is, is a mixed existence because things are here today and they're gone tomorrow. And so, Shuddha Sattva means pure existence. Vishuddha Sattva means it's like special. So, he's saying Sattvam Vishuddham. He wants, this is, this is a verse that clarifies the, the previous two verses, speaking about Vishnu presiding over the, uh, in relation to the, to the, to the modes, differentiating him again from Brahma's position and Shiva's position as the, 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 the predominant, the, the, he presides over Sattva, not influenced by Sattva presides over it. He's in a transcendental position. He is he is not only Shuddha Sattva, but Vishuddha Sattva. Hmm? And uh, so, uh, again, ultimate benefit, Chemaya, Kalpante Yunutanya. Ultimate benefit for people in the world is derived from, from him. So this should be the object of our bhakti. He is Vishuddha Sattva, pure transcendental uh, existence. Here the name Adhoksuja is given. We may note that as we move now in a direction of uh, emphasizing and focusing on the object of bhakti, the word Adhoksuja is used. 
as it was in the beginning of the previous section when the, p- the path itself, the means or bhakti, was described. Again, we have bhakti and we have bhagavan, the object of love and love. So when he described love, he began with a verse using this word. Who knows the verse? Sabai pum sam yato bhakti. Hmm? Hmm? So here the same Bhagavantam Adhoksajam. It's a nice word Adhoksajam. It it's sometimes it, it means transcendental. Akshaya means uh Prabhupada is explained in, in in his text, in his commentary on Bhagavatam that uh uh, means mm, like um, knowledge that can be gathered hmm, um, by uh, by the senses, by the mind, by the intellect. Adhuksajam means knowledge that can't be gathered by the. It's not ja, generated. Hmm, it's not born. Knowledge that it, it means there, there is knowledge that is uh, uh, it is born of the sense this is adhoksaja. It's not, so it's overtly transcendental. Sometimes the plane of Baikunta is called adhoksajagyan, but the plane of Brindavan is called aprakritagyan, or knowledge that l- looks like the ordinary world but it's not. Whereas Vaikuntha looks different. Hmm? Again, as I've said many times, there God has forearms. You know I'm in the presence of God because we know that with there's so much to do, you can't do all with two arms. Hmm? Sometimes people say, I only got two hands. Okay, This just means I'm human. Hmm? God is depicted as four-handed. means... He can do everything. This is the idea. And there he appears in this way to the devotees who pursue him as the controller, the Ishwar, Narayana, Narayana, he who is the shelter of all. He appears four-handed, giving the blessings. And of course, he has many types of avatars, descents in the world and so forth. But from Adhoksaja we go to Aprakrita. This is the lesson of the Bhagavatam to to Vrindavan. There Krishna has two hands, but he's more full. Hmm? He's more full. He has his hands on his flute. Hmm? And what is he full? He's full. He's busy trying to attract Radha. Hmm? Trying to deal with Bhakti. That's what he's trying to do. He can control everything, but not Bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti's got him out of control. Hmm? No, he's only got two hands. Huh? Playing the flute. <laughs> but that's, uh, uh, then you might think, so Vishnu Bhakti is what's being described here. Savaipum Samito Bhakti. Savaipum Sam. Parodharma Yato Bhakti Rhoksajay. The best Savaipum Sam Parodharma. The Parodharma, the Supreme Dharma, Occupation for all humans is bhakti to adhoksaja, Vishnu bhakti. This is the name for Vishnu, the transcendent one. Hmm? 
and here also then the object is being described, Bhagavantam Madhoksajam. But, of course, then we want to go to Krishna. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And it all comes out in the text. And it hoaxaja happens to be, as I think we must have explained when we discussed the verse that brings us entry into the into what the bhakti is about. Yato bhakti hoaxaja. That adhoaxaja is also a name for Krishna. Adha means below, beneath. Aksha means wheel. And ja means born. So, after the killing of Putana, then, there was a celebration and so on and so forth, and, uh, and there was a big uh, was the the cart. There was a cart like a like a horse drawn cart, something like that, placed. And during the festivities, Krishna was put down in the little cradle underneath the cart, and Shakatasura, the cart demon, Putana had come disguised as a mother. Now, what better disguise could you have to kill an infant? A mother, a nurse. Hmm? <laughs> That's a pretty good disguise. If you want to sneak in on an infant and, uh, and, and kill the infant, to sneak in as a mother and give your breast is the, is the instrument with which you'll do the killing. The, the milk, the poison on the nipple. Hmm? And who will suspect? This is pretty wise of Putana. She was not a very becoming uh, figure. Uh, very, you know, uh, a witch. And uh, so she, by mystic power, just assumed a form very beautiful, like a mother. When she came in, she looked like a goddess of fortune. And everyone thought, oh, the child is so special, some goddess has come. And she's going to offer her breast. So they stepped back and this is Yoga Maya arranging. And of course then she was killed by, by Krishna sucking her life air out hmm? and giving her Vatsalya. Vishnu sucked her life air out, Krishna gave her Vatsalya Bhakti. Hmm? So after this then, Shakatasura, another associate of Kangsa. Kangsa was most powerful because all of these demons were under his power. He had subjugated all of them. You can find this in... Um, Garga Samhita, the previous lives of all of these uh, demons and how they came under the, how Kangsa conquered them and he had this then entourage of, of demons, all who in of themselves were extremely powerful. Hmm? Uh, what to speak then of his position is the idea. So he sent one after another. So after Putin was killed, this Shakatasur came and he, she came, as I say, disguised as a mother. So he thought, I'll just... Come invisible. How's that? That's even better. I'll disguise myself. So he took the form of the cart. He somehow took the shape of the cart. He identified in yoga with the cart. He became the cart, so to speak. Hmm? He got the, the chitta vritti of the cart <laughs> and a tsunami in his, in his consciousness and he became the cart. And so the boy, child, was underneath the cart and... Then he caused the axle to break. Now you can imagine a little infant underneath the car, to use an example today, and the axle breaks. Not good. Hmm. So the fact that the child was unharmed, they figured 
he died and came back. Adhok Saja. He was Adha beneath the axle, which broke, and he was Ja, born again, born from underneath the breaking axle. Goodness, he went, and the cart broke. <laughs> and, and flexed himself, and the cart broke and went flying. So this is another name for Krishna. They said this about him, Adhok Saja, just see. So it's also a nice name for Krishna. It takes us to Krishna Leela. And Krishna is much more than Narayan is Bhagavantam Adhoksajam Satlam Vishuddham Chemaya. And we would most be benefited by taking shelter of him, is the idea. So this way, gradually now, he's refining his the, the object. So he started with uh, with with the the uh, Gunabhatar, the Purusha, hmm? and as we'll see, he'll he'll go all the way to Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. But at the beginning, there's some indication of that here. So he, he now he wants to differentiate from that uh, those who will take shelter of of, of Adhoksaja, who is Sattvam Vishudham, Bhagavantam Adhoksajam. He gives now a contrasting verse. What does he say? He says, Rajasthama Prakritaya Samashila Bhajanti Vai Pritir Bhutta Prajesadin Shriyashvarja Prajepsavaha Those who are in the modes of passion and ignorance and worship worship the forefathers, the, prita, the pitas, the pitris, excuse me, and other living beings and the demigods or in charge of cosmic activities, for they are urged by a desire to be materially benefited with women, wealth, power, progeny. Hmm? Particularly, it says, Pitrir Bhutta. Hmm. Bhutta Prajeshadin. So, he's describing unbecoming forms of the Lord, the Bhutas, for example, the, the, the ghostly uh, you know, associates of, of Shiva and so forth, the ghastly forms of the of the of, of the devas. They they are all unbecoming to some extent. Hmm? Even Shiva, he's not that becoming. I mean, he's in a, in, a, in, a, in a, as much as austerity and renunciation are becoming, but he's covered with ashes. He's got the long dreadlocks. Hmm? Unkempt, and then you've got you know goddess Kali riding on a tiger with a pitchfork, and these are fearful uh, forms. If we are to compare them with Krishna, so they're described here kind of like this. If to give a contrast, Pujapatrida Marsh once told of how a lady had come to him, and um, and she was uh, in Bengal. The Kali worship is prominent. You have the two sides, the Shaktas and the Bhaktas. So Shaktas are worshipping Devi, Kali. And they get so into it in their competition that they invented the, the, the Devi Bhagavatam, which tries to say like everything about Devi that is said about Krishna, for the most Devi two Bhagavans, or whatever, you know. So, and pretty much it's what it tries to say. So the Goswamis don't accept the Devi Bhagavatam. Um, to be what the scriptures are talking about when they when they spot, speak about the Bhagavatam, no, Srimad Bhagavatam, and it is a beautiful Bhagavatam, and Devi's not so, not so beautiful. Hmm? 
not compared to Krishna. We gave a talk on Devi, Kali, on Mother's Day in Portland. Hmm? There's a nice song, Bajahure Manasinandanandana. You know the song? Oh, Bhai Chadanada Vindure. Govinda Das wrote this, and he was a devotee of Kali. Hmm? But he, what he had in mind was something that Kali couldn't give. So she initiated him and gave him this song to sing. She told him through her siksha, Bajahure Mana. Just fix your mind on Srinandanandana. Hmm? At whose lotus feet there is no fear. Oh, in connection with him, uh, human birth and sadhusanga, then taraha e bhava then some description about that sangsara, then, then he sings, sravana kirtana smarana vandana padasevana dasyam sakyam akmani devi. He sings about navalakshan bhakti, govinda dasa bilasa. This is all I desire. So he's blessed by Devi. We find the same thing in uh, Brihat Bhagavatamrita. Right? Hmm? The, uh, uh, who became Gopakumar's student, isn't it? He received the mantra from Devi. Hmm? So if you have the right desire, even if you approach the wrong object, hmm, that desire will guide you. Like I like to say, service will refine its object if you just get involved in it, do some, do something, make sacrifice, do service to something. And if from your side you're giving, the more you're giving, the more that service itself will refine the object and direct us to the object where we can render the most comprehensive service, which is what Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is about. The idea that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, it means... If you study it carefully, we see here is the perfect object of love. Hmm? The full taker, the full enjoyer, who can take fully service, unmotivated service. Hmm? So, um, at, at any rate, the, this Devi, she's like the, like, the, like the mother. So she, people worship her in Bengal largely for things. And things aren't the best things for you, and because you're not a thing, you're you're a subjective rather than an objective element of the material existence, and you exist independently of the objective world, but you're mixed up with it. So, uh, so still, mother gives things. She's a nourisher. So even if you have, what can you do? She may. She, uh, the father can be a little more strict, so Krishna takes things away. Hmm. He takes away, so you'll simply depend upon him. But mother nourishes and gives things, and of course gives things in such a way that you'll get tired of them, and by negative impetus you'll go in that direction. But some people want to go in that direction. They may be born in such a Devi family, and Devi may direct them to Govinda, which is the case, to Krishna, Nandanam, as was the case of... of um, but what we find is very beautiful because on the other end, what do they get? She, Devi, is directing them to Govinda, to Nandanandan, Krishna. And when he goes fully to Krishna, what does, he, what, what does he end up? He ends up with Devi's full expression. As Krishna is the source of all Shakti, of all avatars, Shaktiman, Radha, as the primal Shakti, is the source of all the Shakti, all the Devis. All the consorts of Narayan, you know, all of his avatars, 
and the shadows of his of his um, transcendental existence in the form of the gods and the goddesses like Indra and Sachi, hmm? Brahma and, and Saraswati and so forth. All these goddesses, all these gods are partial manifestations of Krishna hmm? and all the goddesses partial manifestations of Devi. Durga is a special one. She's the consort of Shiva. So she's different than an Indra's consort or Brahma's consort. Hmm? She's the whole world. So anyway, <laughs> she she is Durga, difficult to go from. Ga means to go, Gamayanti, and Dur means difficult. And Radha's another name is in the Tantra, Durga, difficult to go to. Hmm? But if the whole of material existence initiates you in that direction, <sighs> pushes you, that's a big push, directly. Indirectly she does, but people don't get the point very easily. But sometimes, apparently, she directly does. Says, "You worship Govinda. Go there. Take the Gopal mantra. Hmm? Go there." Hmm? And then, where do you end up with Devi, with the mother, <laughs> in the full sense of the term? Hmm? So, anyway, this lady came to Sridhar Marsh, and she was a uh, you know Kali worshiper, a Shakta. So. She was apparently learned, and so she wanted to discuss, and Sridhar Maharaj was known for being learned, so she wanted to make some debate with him. And so he told us that at the time, he, instead of debating with her, he made a simple argument. He said, so you worship Devi, Kali. Can you tell me what she looks like? Can you describe her to me? And it's not a description that you really kind of like get a lot out of, you know, well, she's got like, she's riding on the tiger, or, you know, she's got these weapons and various hands. It's not like, oh, she's got a peacock feather and a flute. Her skin is so soft that if you touch it with a leaf, hmm, the complexion will change slightly. Hmm? So tender, the feet, the bottom of his feet are softer than the breasts of the most beautiful women. <laughs> this is Krishna. So he, he he said, "Now describe Krishna's form for me. Can you do that? I just want to be clear on the objects of the two. We're going to talk about Shakti and Bhakti. So let's talk about the object. Hmm? You want to do you know your your object is the goddess here, the form of Kali Durga, minus Krishna, hmm? Shamsundar, beautiful dark boy. Can you please describe the two of them? That was the end of argument there. See that? What do you want in life?" Beauty, charm, love, this is what you what you really want. Hmm? You get that from Kali? <laughs> he said this way she was defeated, but he did not initiate her. Hmm? <laughs> so here this contrast is being made here, he says in a, in a basic way. Bhagavantam adhoksajam, and if we take adhoksajam to the full idea, of course, where we should, hmm? it goes to that child Krishna. Hmm? And Satvam Vishuddham, hmm? whose existence is super pure. Vishuddham, hmm? we can say Narayana is Shuddha Sattva. We can also say Vishuddha Sattva, but to take it to the full measure, then it comes to Krishna. Per, the, this Sandini Shakti, fully manifest there, pure, super pure existence. 
Actually, Baladev presides over the Sandini Shakti in all the forms in Golok. Hmm. Our manifestations of this Sandini Shakti. This is Vishuddha Sattva. Hmm. Krishna's form. Hmm. So, this is point here, the contrast is being made very different from the forms of the gods and the goddesses. He wants to make the contrast. He says, the best thing you can do, you will derive the best benefit in this world from worshipping Bhagavan Tamadhoksajam, who's Vishuddham, Sattvam Vishuddham, not these other gods presiding over Rajas, Tamas, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so on. Hmm? And then he comes, he kind of answers the question, What's the essence of the scripture? He says it in a nice way. Vasudeva para veda, Vasudeva para maka, Vasudeva para yoga, Vasudeva para kriya, Vasudeva param jnanam, Vasudeva param tapa, Vasudeva para dharma, Vasudeva para gati. <laughs> Here he does. He mentions everything in the scripture. Well, why you say bhakti? And why bhakti to Vasudeva, Krishna? The scriptures talk about many gods. Hmm? In many rituals and procedures, the scriptures talk about yoga. What about that? Hmm? As a path. About gyan, about tapa, austerity. Hmm? All these things. Uh, 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 yes, they also speak about, and he comes to it, he, he, say, he says, Vasudeva Parabhita. The Vedas are full of many things. Yes, but the essence. Vedantakrit Veda Vedeva Chaham. Krishna says in the Gita, of all the Vedas, as I am to be known, I am Vedavit. Hmm? Alone. I am Vedavit. I know the meaning of the Vedas. Hmm? And if all the Vedas are searching after me, hmm? Gita, 15th chapter, Sabastachaham Nidisani Vishtomatasmata Gyanama Pohanamcha. So, I, I'm the, Vasudev is what the Vedas are about. Hmm? Replies to that implied objection. Vasudeva Paramaka. Sacrifice. And Krishna says in the Gita, what, at the uh, end of the fifth chapter, he says, Robert called it the peace formula. How does it go? Bhuktaram yakatapasam sarvaloka maheshparam. I am the enjoyer of all sacrifices. Everything's meant for me. Hmm? We studied, we see all the different devas, the, the, the sacrifices for them, all their names are different names of God, names of Krishna. And they're like, it can be described as different parts of his body. Bart Maharaj understood this. Hmm? Uh, and he worshipped the gods and the goddesses in this light. Gopis exemplified this. They worshipped Katyayani to have Krishna as their husband. Hmm? <laughs> we can worship the gods and the goddesses in this way. This is the idea. This is what the Veda is teaching. So, sacrifice for the gods is really meant for Krishna. His name is Yagya. Yagya Vai Vishnu. This is another name for Krishna, for Vishnu. Yagya. It's not another name for Brahma. It's not another name for Shiva or Indra. What does it mean? The heart of sacrifice, it is for Krishna. Indeed, Swaha. If you study Gopal Tapani, name of the commentary there that we've written, we understand the Swaha ultimately comes to Radha. Hmm? So where the Swaha, the Yogyavai Vishnu, that must be Krishna. 
And she's the she's the personification of sacrifice. He's the heart of that manifesting before her. So Prasadeva Parag Yoga. Yes, yoga is mentioned in the sacred texts. Krishna, for example, if we want to go upon Shadak, we can give all these examples practically from the Gita. Hmm? The sacrifice is also there in the Gita. He's the center, he says. And so yoga, yes, yoga is there. Sixth chapter, Astanga Yoga, as a path, yoga. Path unto itself. And what is what is it, what is mentioned there? The object of the dhyan, the meditation in samadhi, is not arbitrary in sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita where Astanga Yoga is mentioned. No. It's Krishna. Hmm? Of course, yes, in his Paramatma it's Krishna. So, yoga is about Krishna, hmm? about Vasudev. Hmm? And uh, Karma Marg, Vasudeva Parakriya, it's ultimately about, about Krishna as well. Paramganam, the supreme knowledge, tapa, parodharma. Hmm? We come now to Bhakti. Vasudeva parodharma, Vasudeva paragati. So, he, very nice. He says, Vasudeva is, is the goal of all these things, properly understood. And he's the supreme destination. Hmm? He's the, serving him as the supreme dharma. Hmm? So with this then, um, he will move to conclude the chapter with a few more verses, three or four verses, where he'll begin to speak now more directly about the Purusha, the Purusha avatar presiding over the modes of nature, Vishnu. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the low end then of Bhagavan that goes to the Paramatma, overseeing the world. He'll describe how he becomes the jivas, how he enters the world. Mm-hmm. No fall from there, from Galok, and that kind of thing will come up here in this section. So we'll go in that direction. Tomorrow that'll bring us to the end of the chapter, and then we enter the, then we in the third chapter where the Purusha will be highlighted again in terms of being the source in this world of the avatars hmm? and how Krishna comes through them hmm? and at the same time he's the source of them. Any question? Yes? Um, Mark, when you say it, like, can you explain a little bit in what sense it's meant when you say like she presides over something? What does it mean to preside over? The way I understand it is maybe that, like, you know, through goodness we seek to satisfy Goodness kind of is always like more trying to mold itself to satisfy. Goodness is a, is a mode that maintains, hmm? Rajas is a mode that creates, and Tama is a mode that destroys. So Vishnu is the maintainer, Vishwamba, Vish, Vishwambar. Hmm? He's the maintainer. He's the sustainer. He keeps everything, you know, together. He's Vishnu. Vishnu means all pervasive. Hmm? So in this world, then the mode that preserves hmm, is sattva. So he's the presiding deity over the sattva. Whereas Brahma is the presiding deity over Rajas, and he's a big creator. Shiva is the destroyer. He presides over Tamas. So the functions of these modes have a corresponding deity, 
in that sense, um, of course, we, I like to say that Vishnu is pro- by proximity, but he's also presiding over sattva, over, over, over rajas. But he's in proximity, excuse me, over tamas, but he's in proximity. And Brahma's presiding over rajas, but he's mixed up with it. Vishnu's presiding over it, and he's not mixed up with it. He's not in proximity to it. He comes in proximity, in one sense, though, through us. And we'll hear about that tomorrow. But it just means like that, that there's, Vishnu is the maintainer. As much as things can be maintained in this world that are constituted of the modes of nature, which isn't only to a limited extent, because the shells are always moving, right? So the, the modes are always interacting, and the shape is changing, and it will be destroyed, it'll be, another one will be created, and so forth. So much as sattva is, is sattva being a maintaining mode of maintenance, it's, it's one we should gravitate towards. It's something lasting. Hmm? We are of an enduring nature, so to gravitate towards sattva is to gravitate towards something that is in, as in the enduring principle of a world that doesn't endure as much as it does endure. Hmm? So, so Vishnu being the supreme endurer and maintainer, hmm, then over the mode that in a relative sense maintains, hmm, he presides. That's the idea. Yes. At the Battle of Kurukshetra, after um, Krishna shows Arjun his universal form, and then he takes the uh, forearm form, and then he assumes his two-arm form, was it saying that um, because of his praying, he could see the two-arm form and the others were seeing the forearm form? Arjun? Mm-hmm. Well, in the 11th chapter, Arjun saw the universal form, he saw the forearm form, and he liked two-arm form. Mm-hmm. And so he got the the, the Dvibhuja darshan also. Krishna in in Dwaraka, Dwarakesh Krishna, who goes to the battle of Kurukshetra, for example, who is sometimes called then, uh, sometimes he's called, well, Parthasarathy, the chariot driver, is uh, maybe a name in relation to that particular legal, but he's, he's Dwarkesh Krishna goes there. Um, anyway, he has four arms, but sometimes two arms, hmm? depending on the devotee. Hmm? We will see. So yes, your suspicion is is correct. Arjun saw him sometimes four-handed, but mostly as two-handed. Most people saw him as four-handed in the Battle of Kurukshetra, hmm? but Arjun saw him as two-handed to drive the chariot. Hmm? He's giving. He can't be giving orders to a four-handed person. Turn left, turn right. The four-handed person's got to control of everything. So, so he's seeing us two-handed, and he thinks, "Turn left, turn right." And yes. Another question. Kind of speaking to the same point, like Vishnu being the presiding deity over goodness. You know, this is a common. This is a big problem in philosophy and religion. That um, how can we ever speak on something that's supposed to be transcendent? If it's transcendent, then it's beyond. Is that, does that not mean it's beyond what we can even understand and speak about? Uh-huh. Yeah, you want me to talk about that? Well, yes, that's true. Uh, it's beyond speech, beyond thought. But it's not beyond doing whatever it wants. Hmm? And so, when it wants to reveal itself to us, 
the capacity for us to understand it um, is at hand. And then we cannot speak about it completely because there's so much to say about it. Therefore, we're always talking about it. Rather than being silent because it's beyond words, we have seen, uh, to some extent, darshan by sadhu sangha, by hearing, and there's not enough that we can say about it. So therefore, uttama shlokam, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, they're constantly describing him in beautiful poetry. Poetry is a language that I like to say is seeks to make more out of things or reveal the more of things than what meets the eye, that there's all kinds of possibilities that don't meet the eye. Math says, wait, there's only so many possibilities here. Hmm? Kind of. I don't, if you really get into it, it becomes poetic too. But uh, so, but poetry seeks to be is participatory. It seeks to help us participate in the greatness, the great, the, the extended idea of what life is, what what could happen, and so forth. So, uttama shloka, uttama shloka, uttama means supreme, and shloka means poetry. By choice, and and the supreme poetry he's talked about that is Srimad Bhagavatam. It's not four verses. It's not eighteen thousand verses. It's this is the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're living in that. So the problem is solved. He can do what he likes if he wants to reveal himself. And this is what bhakti is. Therefore, see, bhakti is holy spiritual path. It's descending. So it descends to us hmm, of, of her own accord, hmm, independent as she is. And then we use our senses, we use our mind uh, in relation to bhakti. So it's not that you say, well, you, need your, you, use, you have to use your senses too. And you have to use your reasoning, too, to understand the Bhagavatam. But we're using them in a particular way. Hmm? Under the influence of bhakti, we're using them. Then they become instruments through which bhakti chooses to further reveal herself to us. That's why we, that's why we emphasize jnana is, is, unto itself, is not a transcendental path. Only bhakti can give real access to transcendence because... Bhakti means Bhagwan has a mind of his own. If he wants to reveal, if the fi- infinite wants to reveal himself to the finite, then what's the problem? It's a problem from the finite's perspective, but not from the infinite's perspective. Therefore, we must approach on the infinite's terms. Hmm? That means revelation is required. If he speaks to us, then it, if he starts the conversation, we can ask the question. We are the question. Why? Why am I? What am I? Hmm? And the infinite gives gives the answer. That's revelation. And, it can, it's, and if we study it carefully, we see this is a descending path. So, so it's bhakti that reveals then Bhagwan, and bhakti is independent, like Bhagwan is independent. And again, that word adhoksaja uh, implies that as well. Hmm? Independent. That help. All right. What is the time? We'll stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Vidyai. Gold Premanande.